This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hi, everyone. Laszlo Montgomery here again. This week's China History Podcast will be much lighter fare than usual, and certainly lighter than last week's episode. That was a heavy meal. Like we did back in January when the Chinese New Year rolled around, this time we're going to look at one of the other big three traditional Chinese holidays, the Mid-Autumn Festival. This year it's going to be held on September 12th, so wherever you are, go out and kan yue liang. Go look at the moon. Like I said, this is one of the big three in China, the other being the Chinese New Year, of course, the Spring Festival. The other is the Dongzhi, the winter solstice. Today, we look at Zhongqiujie, the mid-autumn festival, and what it's all about. This one, believe it or not, goes all the way back to the Shang Dynasty, you know, the first real dynasty of China, 1600 to 1046 BC. Remember from an earlier podcast, everyone thought Sima Qian was pulling their leg about this dynasty's existence, but show enough, in 1899, the ruins of Yin, the Yin Xu, were discovered in Anyang, proving the existence of this, up until that time, legendary dynasty. And all those who doubted Sima Qian, who mentioned the Shang Dynasty in his records of the Grand Historian, they had to bow in reverence and respect Chinese holidays, well, there's a lot of them, but only six of them are big enough to be public holidays. So, of all the holidays in China, the big ones are, of course, Chinese New Year, Qingming, Dragon Boat, Mid-Autumn, and Double Nine, or Chongyang. That day is also known as the Chinese Thanksgiving. It's an important family get-together day where a big banquet is served and everyone eats Tangyuan and Jiunyang, or if you're a northerner, for sure you'll have dumplings. Qingming is the holiday known as Grave Sweeping Day. You know, you visit your ancestors' graves. Dragon Boat Festival, well, it commemorates the poet and patriot Qu Yuan. And you have dragon boat races, and you eat uh, zongzi. Uh, Chongyang, well, it's sort of similar to Qingming. But the big ones, at least traditionally, going back a long time, are the New Year, Mid-Autumn, and Winter Solstice. And today... We look at the Mid-Autumn Festival, also known as the Lantern Festival and Mooncake Festival. This is really a beautiful holiday, especially if you're experiencing it with children or grandchildren. And I bet the great-grandparents of China have a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling of satisfaction watching as a, as a new generation embraces this 3,000-year-old tradition. This one's a big deal. Back in the day, when I was living in Hong Kong with two small children born there, it seemed to be a very popular activity to go out to all the public gathering places, such as Victoria Park, and walk around looking at the moon, if it was visible that night, and uh, checking out everyone's lanterns. There was every conceivable 
kind of lantern. Battery-powered lanterns with candles, you name it. And hawkers would be out selling all manners of lighted toys uh, made less than 100 miles away in the factories of Shenzhen. And since the whole ritual of Mid-Autumn Festival was an evening activity, it sort of lends a special kind of excitement. The holiday is always held on the 15th day of the 8th month of the Chinese calendar. This is the time when the moon is at its brightest and roundest. And if you get lucky and catch it on a clear night, which wasn't very often in Hong Kong, uh, it's really a sight to see. So it's another classic family night out in Chinese culture, and those who still participate in all the customs and rituals still get a kick out of it, I'm sure. Every tradition has a story, and this is the story about this important Chinese holiday. There are actually three main stories, and of these three, the one we're going to talk about now is the main one, and this main one has multiple variations. The whole story revolves around two characters, Chang'e and Hou Yi, who lived back in the time of the Emperor Yao. Yao was, of course, one of the San Huang Wu Di, the mythical three emperors and five sovereigns. He was one of the five sovereigns. And it was Yao who passed the mantle of leadership to Shun. And it was Shun, who you may recall from the very first podcast from our Dynasty Overview series, who passed the crown to Yu the Great, founder of the still legendary Xia Dynasty. And that dynasty shall remain legendary until someone digs up some ruins like they did uh, with the Shang when Yin Xu was discovered. So in short, this legend behind the Mid-Autumn Festival goes all the way back to the beginning of Chinese history, and certainly before Chinese recorded history. Now, it formally doesn't become a holiday called Zhongqiu until the year 420 AD, in the time of the Liu Song dynasty. As I said, there are a number of variations of the legend of Chang'e, but they all begin in the time of Yao, and the time of Yao, well, this is the period of the Great Flood in Biblical times, Noah's Ark. Noah had to deal with the same problem as you the Great. So these floods were worldwide, or at least from one end of Asia to the other. So we're back in these times, 2200, 2300 BC, about 4300 years ago, over one and a half million days ago. That's a long time, considering some days alone feel like an eternity. The holiday falls on the exact moment when the tilt of the Earth's axis is such that the hours, minutes, and seconds that make up the night are no longer than those that make up the day. And from the Greek equus nox, meaning equal night, we get the word equinox. And it's around the time of the autumnal equinox when the moon is at its fullest and brightest, that's when this festival takes place. And in the world of Chinese agriculture, this coincides with the end of the harvest season, so you can well imagine the roots this holiday has in rural China. They're pretty deep. So there are the three traditional stories behind Mid-Autumn Festival. All three are part of the lore of the holiday. So let's look, without further delay, at Chang'e and Hou Yi. There are, again, like I said, multiple variations about this legend, but they all involve basically the same characters. Chang'e is none other than the Chinese goddess of the moon. And maybe you might recall the Chang'e Yi Hao, the Chang'e number one. This was the unmanned 
lunar orbiting spacecraft that was successfully launched in October of 2007 by China. They named this uh, spacecraft after the moon goddess, who we speak of today. She lives on the moon. She's not the moon itself. And she's married to Ho Yi. Ho Yi, how do I explain him? He's a god who was a keen archer and could do all kinds of magical and incredible things with his bow and arrow. He came from the Dongyi people, who were one of the several Neolithic civilizations that sprung up in the east of China. So Chang'e and Ho Yi, they are immortals living the life of gods back in ancient times. Well, everything back then was going along fine when suddenly one day there was a situation. There were these ten sunbirds. These were the children of the god of eastern heaven, or Di Jun. These birds had three legs each, so they were called the San Zhu Wu, or three-foot crows. These were not run-of-the-mill black crows. These were special, and they were called Yang Wu, or sun crows, or also Jin Wu, or golden crows, since gold symbolized the sun. So these ten sunbirds, the way it worked, they were driven around the world, one bird per year, by the mother of the suns, known as Xi He, she would ride this chariot or carriage driven by one sunbird, whose ever turn it was, I guess. And it was the sunbirds who illuminated the earth and brought it the necessary warmth. And the sunbirds only received one chance every ten years to make that circumnavigation of the earth. But then one day in 2170 BC, this would be the age when China was transitioning uh, to the Xia Dynasty. The Ten sunbirds decide to all go out at the same time. And this, of course, ten suns, the earth gets scorched, and someone had to do something. This was still sort of the time of Yao, and he went to Di Jun, the god of eastern heaven, who in turn enlisted the help of Ho Yi, the archer. And it is Ho Yi who shoots down nine of the suns and leaves one to continue to do its job, and the earth is saved. Yao is elated. Di Jun, the god of the eastern sun, he's not elated because nine of his sons, no pun intended, had just been killed. So he's out for revenge and uses his powers to strip Ho Yi of his immortality. And Ho Yi, well, he takes it on the chin and he spends his time on earth doing all kinds of great deeds for mankind. In one of these several heroic missions he's on, it's here that he supposedly meets Chang'e, who in some versions is a mortal, and in some versions of the story is the daughter of the water god. So after Ho Yi does all these great and fantastic things, Yao rewards him. But he doesn't get the immortality he now so desires. So Ho Yi visits the queen mother of the West, Xi Wangwu. We know of her from the Shang Dynasty oracle bones that mention her quite a bit. She was, among many things, goddess of longevity and supposedly had these elixirs of immortality. Because his fame preceded him, Shi Wangmu knew who Ho Yi was, and when he came to visit her, she gave him two doses of the elixir of immortality and told him, don't take them at the same time. He planned to share it with Chang'e, his wife, and in some versions, this is a pill. In other versions, it's a liquid uh, form of elixir. He returns home and is united with his beloved, but wouldn't you know it, he's called away again, and he 
hides the elixir away, and he figures when he gets back, he and Chang'e will drink it together. So he goes off on more missions impossible. Like with all wives and girlfriends, you can never hide these things in the house. Unless it's buried in a safe 5,000 feet under the house with a million booby traps, there's no way to keep your wife or girlfriend from finding these things. And sure enough, after Ho Yi hadn't returned, after many months, Chang'e finds this bottle that contained the two doses. And like Eve did with the apple, she's curious to see what this is and drinks the whole thing down, and now there's no more left. And then soon after, she starts to feel these changes happening, and then wouldn't you know it, right at the moment where she begins to ascend to the heavens, Ho Yi comes back, but he's powerless to save her and keep her on earth. And she's lifted up into the heavens and made immortal and floats up to the moon and must remain there. And how Chang'e actually came to consume the elixir or pills, there are also multiple stories about that, but they all end up tragically and she must forever live on the moon in her new role as the moon goddess. So the other big twist in this story is that now the two lovers are separated and can only meet once per year. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Ho Yi, he became associated with the sun because of a palace that he built there. Well, at least according to one of the variations of the story. And it's only once per year at the time of the autumnal equinox that the two lovers can meet. And Chang'e represents the female lunar yin principle, and Ho Yi represents the male solar yang principle. So they are also one of the many manifestations or representations of yin and yang in Chinese culture. And because it is only on this one evening per year that these lovers can meet, there's a whole romantic element associated with the mid-autumn festival, and so it's also a night for lovers as well. You know, you don't have to have kids to groove on the holiday. And so you have this version which concerns Chang'e and Ho Yi, and like I said, no exaggeration. There have to be at least a dozen variations of this story floating around. There's also a much simpler story behind the mid-autumn festival, and this one concerns the so-called Yu Tu, or Jade Rabbit. He is the companion of Chang'e, and Chinese going way back claimed the markings on the moon's surface visible from Earth have this particular shape that looks like a silhouette of a rabbit with a mortar and a pestle in front of him. And contained inside this mortar is the elixir of life that the rabbit is always trying to grind out for his lady. The only problem is he never seems to get it, so he's always working this mortar and pestle without any conclusion. So the jade rabbit is associated with Mid-Autumn Festival as well, and you'll see all kinds of references to him. How he ended up living on the moon is an interesting story. The gods were testing three animals, a fox, a monkey, and a rabbit. As the story goes, three fairies transformed themselves into raggedy old beggars, and they stood by the side of the road and begged for something to eat, 
and along comes the fox, the monkey, and the rabbit. The fox and the monkey both had food to give the old man, but the rabbit, eh, he was empty-handed. But he offered his own flesh instead and jumped into the blazing fire so that his flesh might be cooked and that the beggars might not starve. These fairies were so moved by the rabbit's selfless act that they immortalized the rabbit and let him live in the moon palace where he became the jade rabbit. The signature food of this festival, as we all know, is the mooncake. In Chinese, it's called a yuebing. These things are sold once a year, starting maybe a month or so before the main event. The main filling is this dense lotus seed or red bean paste. In addition to the paste, there are usually one or two egg yolks from duck eggs that are inside, the, in the middle of the uh, moon cake. And these egg yolks, of course, symbolize the full moon. And the outer shell is, it's a pastry kind of thing, which is molded with all kinds of fancy designs and Chinese characters, usually some lucky character like Harmony, He, or Longevity, Shou. Each one has about as many calories as a Big Mac, so you don't want to eat too many of them. There's no one kind of mooncake. The way they make them in Beijing isn't the way they make them in Hong Kong or Guangzhou, and the Ningbo-style mooncake has little in common with the Yunnan, style mooncakes. Nowadays, in these times where anything goes, there has been an utter explosion of every imaginable kind of designer or exotic mooncake. They've, they've been around since at least the southern Song dynasty during the 12th and 13th century. There's a whole tradition of giving mooncakes to friends, family members, business clients, and anyone else whose shoes you might be trying to shine. So in addition to being called the Mid-Autumn Festival, this is also known as the Mooncake Festival. The last little story I like the best, and it involves mooncakes. This is a little bit more exciting than the other legends. This involves the Mongols of the Yuan Dynasty, who ruled China from about 1271 to 1368. This would have taken place around the year 1367, because the Mongols were officially kaput by 1368. That's the year when the Ming Dynasty begins. So this story takes place when the Han Chinese were rising up to get rid of the Mongols who had ruled them for a century. But these Mongol rulers, they kept a very tight ship and things like public gatherings or anything that might allow the people to plan any revolts were strictly outlawed. The Mongols were so few and the Han Chinese so many, so every precaution was taken. As the story goes, the great Zhu Yuanzhang, who would later go on to found the Ming Dynasty and become the first emperor, he had an advisor named Liu Baowen, who came up with the great idea to use the cover of the fast-approaching Mid-Autumn Festival to stage a mass revolt against the Mongols. So Liu prepared this big ruse, whereby thousands of mooncakes were distributed across the city, uh, to all the Han Chinese in the guise of an offering to the Yuan Emperor's good fortune. It was a well-known fact that Mongols, they didn't care for mooncakes. And so the story goes, inside each mooncake was written a message that said, which means, rise up on the 15th day of the 8th month, which was the Mid-Autumn Festival, and kill the Mongols. And though there is absolutely... No historical evidence that this ever happened. 
It was right around the Mid-Autumn Festival that the final stages of the revolt had taken place. And of course, we all know the forces of Zhu Yuanzhang were successful. And on January 23rd, 1368, he became the Hongwu Emperor, the first emperor of the Ming Dynasty, which would ultimately be the last Han Chinese dynasty. It was followed by the Qing, which we all know was a Manchu dynasty. So whether or not Mooncakes played a supporting role in overthrowing the Mongol Yuan dynasty and ushering in the Ming, I can't say for sure, but that's what the tradition says. And tradition is what this holiday is all about, and it's traditions that help define a culture and make it what it is. Chinese culture has thousands of these traditions, big and small, in the north of China, in the south, in the mountainous areas, in the west, amongst the Han and the minority peoples. And coming up this Monday night, the 12th, is a big one in the Chinese world. It will be a public holiday the next day in China and on the 13th, and all my colleagues in Ningbo will get a nice, well-deserved rest. And I'm sure everyone who is a kid eight years old or less, will be out looking at the moon, eating mooncakes, and carrying a lantern of some sort. Whether or not they'll think of Chang'e, Yi, the Jade Rabbit, or any of the cast of characters of this festival, I can't say for sure. But that's the basic background for Jie Mid-Autumn Festival. I encourage you all Monday night to go out and kan liang, go out and look at the moon and Look on the very same object that mankind has been gazing and studying and wondering about for thousands and thousands of years, even before recorded history. We sort of take the moon for granted, and of course, you know, astronauts have landed on its surface, and scientists from the U.S., China, Russia, and elsewhere have all studied everything about it. There isn't much left about the moon that's a mystery to man. But can you imagine going all the way back to the beginning, when man reached that stage of his development, when he first began to observe the moon and noticed how it waxed and waned and how sometimes it was brighter and seemingly closer to Earth than other times, the earliest observations of the moon, and I guess the sun as well, were all tied in with the religions of the day, those ancient days, no matter in India or Egypt or China or Mesopotamia. These celestial objects... Well, they couldn't be explained, and so we're all considered divine. And everyone had their ancient traditions tied to the moon, and for the Chinese, nothing out-trumps Mid-Autumn Festival as far as holidays that are tied to the moon. Not only because of the timing of the lunar calendar, but because of the ancient stories as well. Though the lanterns these days are a little snazzier, and some require batteries, and the mooncakes might have more modern preservatives and fillings, The whole Mid-Autumn Festival today is very, very close to how it's been celebrated since the days when all the greatest of the greats from Chinese history walked this earth and had their moment in history. So today, we looked at this festival in China, and we've seen what it's all about. As I said, it happens on the 15th day of the 8th month, which corresponds to our Gregorian calendar date of Monday, September 12th, and it will be a public holiday on that day in China. On the 13th is the public holiday in Hong Kong. So everyone on Monday or Tuesday evening, go out, go look at the moon and see if you can't make out the jade rabbit mixing his herbs, trying to get that elixir of immortality just right. 
This is the one night per year that Chang'e and Hou Yi get together, so keep an eye out for them as well. This is Laszlo Montgomery once again, your humble host, narrator, and as you can tell from the sound quality, the audio engineer as well. I'm coming to you almost every week from the ChinaHistoryPodcast.com and, of course, on iTunes. Again, if you're looking for some good news and information sources about what's going on in China today, again, I strongly recommend that Seneca podcast and a new one I just found out about. This one's called the China Money Podcast, and it features Nina Xiang. She brings all kinds of interesting guests who talk about the world of finance and investment in China. So if you're interested in big business and trends in China, go check it out. Both the Seneca podcast and China Money podcast are available via iTunes, or you could just Google them. So that's all I got today. Have a happy holiday. Well, to everyone who plans to celebrate it, that is. Join us next week, won't you, for another exciting episode of the China History Podcast.